Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day, Jesus was standing beside Lake Gennesaret when the crowd pressed in around him to hear God's word. Jesus saw two boats sitting by the lake. The fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. Jesus boarded one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, then asked him to row out a little distance from the shore. Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he finished speaking to the crowds, he said to Simon, Row out farther into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But because you say so, I'll drop the nets. So they dropped the nets, and their catch was so huge that their nets were splitting. They signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats so, so full that they were about to sink. When Simon Peter saw the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Leave me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. Peter and those with him were overcome with amazement because of the number of fish they caught. James and John... Zebedee's sons were Simon's partners, and they were amazed, too. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. As soon as they brought the boats to the shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Peter is one of my favorite people in the, the New Testament. He is far and away my favorite of, of the apostles. Because Peter is not known for following directions. He tends to let his mouth run off before his brain fully engages. And we have here, it, it's funny that his, our first introduction to Peter in the Gospels, Peter actually follows directions. Peter has been working all night with his brother Andrew and their friends James and John. They're fishermen, blue-collar workers, probably not real well-educated. But they've been working all night, and they've got nothing to show for it. Y'all, it doesn't get much more tired than that when you have worked and worked and worked, and you got nothing to show for it. That is when, that, that's bone-wearying tired. And so that's probably the state of mind that Peter is in that morning. When here comes this itinerant rabbi who gets in his boat and says, hey, take, take me out into the water a little bit so I can preach to these people. And Peter obeys. And Jesus sits in the boat because in Jesus' day, that's how the rabbis taught. They taught from a seated position. They didn't stand like we do. They sat and taught the crowd. And Jesus sat in the boat, and he taught the crowd, and he, he was far enough back so that folks could hear him. And when he finished teaching, he tells Peter, Hey, uh, why don't you take the boat out into the deep water, and let's catch some fish. And Peter's honest with Jesus. So. We've worked hard all night, hadn't caught a thing, but you say you want to go out in the deep water, we'll go out in the deep water and give it a shot. I don't think Peter really thought anything was going to happen. I, Peter was an experienced fisherman. He knew what the conditions were. He 
had worked all night. He knew there was nothing out there. But something in what Jesus said to him, not the words, but the authority that Jesus carried himself with, said to Peter, let's give this one more shot. Let's, let's listen to him. And Peter goes out into the deep water. And one more time, Peter throws that net out there. And this time, it's Peter. He gets a catch like he's never seen in his life. Luke tells us that Peter caught so many fish that day that he had to get James and John out there with their boat, and they nearly sunk both boats trying to get this catch of fish back to shore. They had never seen a catch of fish like it in their lives. And Peter suddenly realizes he's standing on holy ground. He is in the presence of the holy. I'm not entirely sure Peter has any idea how he got there, but he knows he's in the presence of the holy, and he says, get back away from me. I'm a sinner. I, I, I'm no good. I'm not worthy. Don't, you know, I can't do this. Same reaction Isaiah has in the temple. Isaiah is a priest. Isaiah knows the temple. But when he sees the vision that day of the seraphim flying around, and he realizes that he is in the presence of the Holy One of Israel, he says, I'm a sinner. Get back. I'm a sinner. Isaiah and Peter both found out that us imperfect people, we sinners, are the very ones that God uses to accomplish his purposes. You see, Jesus was fishing that day for disciples, for a group of men who would follow him, who would be willing to learn about the Lord, who would be willing to encounter God in a new way, to build a relationship with the Lord through Jesus, and then to use that love and that knowledge to build relationships with others. Jesus tells Peter, it's okay. Jesus has to be thinking to himself, I know, I know, I know, it's all right. <laughs> Jesus knows Peter better than Peter knows Peter at this point. Jesus says, come on, we're going to go fish for people. We're not going to be fishing for fish anymore. You've got a career change. Let's go catch people. And in some ways, it's not so much about catching people like we catch fish. You know, fish, you, you throw out bait for them, and, and sometimes that bait's not really what it appears to be, and, and you, you lure them onto your line, and you hook them and, and throw them up, pull them up out of the water. There's nothing fake in what Jesus is offering. What he's offering is a way of building relationships through God, to God, with other people. And it's holy work. And Peter is, in some sense, right to be a little intimidated. Because he is on holy ground. He is absolutely face-to-face -face with the Messiah, the Son of the living God. 
but it's not about Peter. It's not about his skills as a fisherman, or that particular night, his lack thereof. It's about Jesus. <clears throat> when we come into the sanctuary, we too are on holy ground. And it's not about us. It's not about my skill as a preacher or lack thereof. It's not about Colleen's skill on the piano. It's not about Todd's skill leading the singing. It's not about Terry's skill with the digital stuff. It's about what God can do with anybody who is willing to say, Here I am, Lord, send me. That's what it's about. And that's holy. It's not about us. It's about God and what God can do through us. Because what God wants to do is to make disciples. He wants people. Christian means little Christ. And that's what Jesus is looking for. That's what God wants. God wants us to be a bunch of little Christ. Not holier than thou, but ready to serve. Willing to help. Offering love. What we do around the altar this morning when we come together for communion is one of the holiest, most important things we do as Christians. When I, my first church job, I was a junior in college and got a job as a youth director. You want to talk about unqualified? They hired me for youth and about seven or eight kids that I was responsible for. Thank goodness I had a wonderful woman who was my youth coordinator who did very well as a wet behind the ears youth director. But it was an interesting educational experience because the pastor who was there had been asked to retire the year before I got there and refused. I saw what happens when you lose the sense of being on holy ground in worship. He would, we would do communion. And it was a big sanctuary. Easily twice as deep as y'all's, wider too, big, big church, but in a changing neighborhood, so a small congregation. So he had lay people who distributed the elements. And my pastor stood behind the pulpit and gave the table dismissals. Not an unheard of way to do communion, nothing inherently wrong with it, but here was what I noticed. And this is what I still carry with me 30 years later. He stood in the pulpit while people were down there taking communion and did the table dismissals like this. Head in his hand like he couldn't possibly be more bored. It was quite the education for a young, enthusiastic preacher to be. He didn't really, he had lost the fact that he was standing on holy ground. He had no respect for the fact that what he was doing was holy work, whether he still wanted to be doing it or not. It was still holy work. Because it wasn't about him, it was about God's presence there in that sanctuary. It was as if, we, we talked last week in Bible study about Moses and the burning bush, and the first thing that God tells Moses is get your sandals off because you're standing on holy ground. First words that God says to Moses after he calls his name. It is as if that pastor was Moses and it said, no, I, I, I'm good. I, I'll keep the sandals on. I'm all right. No. No, you're not all right. You're on holy ground. 
And it's holy because God is present. Jesus is present with us in the bread and the cup. Exactly how, I can't tell you. But God is present with us. There is something holy that happens there. And it's holy because everybody comes together. We share one loaf. We share one juice. Because we are one people. I don't call you down for communion by age, gender, economic status. I'm not interested in any of that. This is God's table. God just wants you here. God doesn't care about all that stuff, all of the externals that we get so caught up in. God wants you to come, to rest a while in him, to build that relationship with him. John Wesley referred to communion as one of the means of grace. And means of grace are not the only places that we can meet God, but they are places where we are likely to meet God. And communion is one of those places. Can you meet God out on the golf course on Sunday morning? Well, yes, I suppose you probably can. But you're more likely to meet him here. Can you meet God sitting at home watching the football game? Yeah, I suppose you can. God's everywhere. But you're more likely to meet him here. Because we encounter God in each other. And we encounter God in the songs, and we encounter God in the scriptures, and we encounter God in the elements of communion. When we kneel together with our brothers and our sisters, and when we're fed, like the children that we are. Jesus calls Peter for a job that Peter is completely unqualified for. For a job that Peter doesn't begin to understand. He has no idea what the next three years are going to bring. He has no idea in this moment where he is so obedient, where he follows direction so beautifully well, he has no idea that the day is going to come when Peter is going to deny with curses that he ever knew Jesus. Peter has no idea. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. But Jesus knows Peter's heart. And he knows that Peter's going to make a great disciple one day. Peter has a willingness and a heart for God. And we don't really see that come to full fruition until after Pentecost. But it's there. And God's got a heart for each of us. He's got a job for each of y'all and for me. God's got a place for us, a role to fill. God wants us to catch people. God wants us to catch people not because we're so great, but because God wants a relationship with people. God wants us to love one another and to love him. And both of those dimensions are important. And at our best, when we love one another, as God loved us, and when we love God with our whole heart, our whole being, 
we're on holy ground again. And we may realize in that moment, you know, Lord, I'm not worthy. But thank you, Lord, I don't have to be worthy. You don't call us to be worthy, you call us to be faithful. May we be faithful servants of the living God. May we come together this morning on holy ground to gather once again to hear the story of the bread and the wine, of the sacrifice that was laid down for us. And may we leave this morning nourished and ready to serve, ready to say to God, here I am, Lord, send me. Amen.